Good morning, Palace family. Wow, we, we have a lively bunch this morning. Can you hear me? Oh, oh, yeah, there I am. Good morning, Palace family. If you'll come on in and get cozied up in your seat. Doesn't it feel good to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. If you are a guest here this morning, we are so thankful that you are here. Um, we are a tight-knit family here at the palace, and we would just like to get to know you a little better. So if you would please fill out the Connect Track card on the seat back in front of you and slip it in the offering containers in the back of the sanctuary, just so we can get to know you a little better. Um, we have had such a great weekend. My family and I, we got to go to Puxco Homecoming. Woohoo! We got such a good, such a good uh palace family, even in Pugsco. I just love it. We're just spread everywhere. So will you all have a great day? Look forward to seeing you later. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Mindy. And I'm Cindy. If you're watching online, we're thankful you've joined us as well. Here are a few upcoming events you might be interested in. If you're new to the palace or just ready to get connected, we invite you to join us for Connect Track. You will have lunch with the pastors and staff, get a tour of the building, teaching on our basic beliefs, information about opportunities to serve, and lots more. The next track begins Sunday, September 11th at 9.30 a.m. There will also be a Wednesday night track that begins September 14th at 6 p.m. To reserve your place in the class, sign up now at the Ministry Center in the foyer. The KOZ Ministry is having a fun day at Camp Allen for young men ages 8 to 18 on Saturday, August 20th. Everyone should bring a change of clothes and a towel. We will meet at the Palace of Praise at 8 a.m. and return at 1 p.m. The Discipleship Program will celebrate Graduation Sunday on September 4th. All children graduating to the next grade level will be promoted on that day. Please emphasize the importance of attending discipleship classes to the children in your life. Everyone is invited to join us at the Popper Bluff Square for Community Worship Night at Friday at 7 p.m. There will be a Pastor's Council election on Sunday, August 28th at 6 p.m. Interested applicants can pick up a ballot at the Ministry Center now through August 21st. Ballots must be turned in to Terry Sullivan at the Ministry Center or to Terry Fawn by Sunday, August 21st. Marriage is Ministry is offering a Becoming One training on Saturday, August 27th to anyone that is single, engaged, or married who is interested in learning how to have thriving relationships. The training will be in room 102 from 9 to 3 p.m. Lunch will be provided. Stop by the Ministry Center in the foyer to sign up. Vicki Holloway will be hosting a ladies' Bible study beginning Tuesday, September 6th at 6 p.m. The Armor of God is a seven-week study by Priscilla Shire. Books can be purchased at Lifeway or Amazon. If you plan to attend or need more information, sign up at the Ministry Center in the foyer. Attention all golfers. Get your four-person team together and plan to join in the annual Palace of Praise Golf Tournament at the Ozark Ridge Golf Course on Saturday, August 27th. The cost is $50 per player. Sign up at the four-person scramble at the Ministry Center in the foyer. That's it for this week. Follow us on social media and the church app. Visit our website for updates on current or future events. Girlfriend Connection is coming up in just a few weeks. Stop by the table in the foyer to register and buy a t-shirt. Now watch this.
God, we come to you this morning and we just thank you. We thank you that we can gather with you again today. We thank you that we have freedom to gather. There are so many places where they don't have the freedom to just gather and come before you and worship you. We thank you for that freedom. We thank you that we are loved by you, that we are protected by you, that we are strengthened by you. We thank you for everything that you do for us. Lord, we ask that you would just bless this service. Bless the children as they are coming with their pastors and they are doing their thing. And Lord, we just ask that you would just walk right in there and just lift them up as they lift you up. Lord, we ask that you would just bless pastor today. He has worked all week. You have filled that empty vessel that he has provided for you. Now we ask that you would just let him pour that out into us. Lord, that we would be filled. That we would come to the table and we would eat of that meal. But Lord, that it wouldn't stop there. Lord, that we would just take it in. That we would take it out beyond these walls. Lord, that we would do the work that you have called us to do. Lord, we worship you today in spirit and truth. Not just words on a wall. Lord, that we would think of those words as we sing them and we sing them. Lord, that they would become truth and that they would become wonderful in your ears and that you would delight in our worship today. Lord, we just thank you and we praise you because you are awesome. You are mighty. You are worthy to be praised with everything in us, Lord. And Lord, we just thank you for this time. And we ask that you would bless it. There was technical difficulties earlier, but Lord, that's nothing for you. Nothing for you. Lord, we just thank you for this time. Join us. We desire your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.
Jesus healed. The veil is torn, the doors fling wide. I see glory as I run inside the throne. The temple veil's been torn before you.
Romans 8, 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we might also be glorified with Him. Paul describes God not just as Father in this text, but Abba Father. That's a term of endearment, meaning that God isn't some angry Father who is far off and distant from His children, ready to beat us with a club, but instead he says, son, daughter, because you are in Christ, you are a son and a daughter of the most high king. And at any time, no matter where you're at or what you've done, there's forgiveness for your sin and you need to stop running from me. And instead you need to come into my throne room because you are welcome here. You're welcome to come sit in my lap and stand and gaze at me in my presence because I love you. And you're my son. You see, God could have stopped with just forgiving us. We didn't deserve that, but he never stops there. He just doesn't. He wants us to be his sons and daughters. And he doesn't just want that to happen here. He wants it to happen forever. Thanks be to God that I am adopted, that I'm a son of God, that I'm an heir because of Christ Jesus. And one day I'll be glorified if I suffer with him yet just a little longer. Thanks be to God that I could run right in. God is not distant. He is near in Jesus' name. Here, just one more thing that God has done in someone's life here today. This person writes, several years ago, a few people very close to me hurt and betray me in a significant way. I found it very difficult to forgive them. I had prayed so many hours and days for God to help me forgive them for what they had done. I would have seasons where it would seem that I had, but then something would happen that would bring that resentment to the forefront once again. It got to a point that it started to bleed into every other relationship I had in my life. That was until this year's Roman rally. Tony Suarez gave an altar call for anyone who needed physical or emotional healing. So I came forward. In that moment, the Holy Spirit moved upon me in a way I had never quite felt him before. God healed my wounds and took away my unforgiveness. And I thank God for what he has done. We give you praise, Jesus. We give you praise for healing us. We want to hear your story because God is moving in your life. So often, if you're like me, we focus on what's wrong and what's going on that's wrong. But how many prayers have you prayed that you prayed hours and hours about that God answered and you didn't give him any glory for it? We just kind of move on like, oh, of course, that's what God does. No, he, he, you need to give him praise. You need to give him glory. And you need to help fan the flame in someone else's life to stir that fire within them. And this is a great way to do it. We want to hear from you because people need to hear your story. Today, we give praise to God because he has not stopped moving. He is still working and he's not done yet. Amen. I want to 
remind you, you can continue to worship our God through your giving in our tithe boxes as you leave. You can continue to give online. Let's declare the word of the Lord over this place this morning. And I pray that you don't lose your heart of worship today and that you keep your gaze set on him. Not your problems, not what happens after church. I pray your gaze is here. Let's say our declaration together this morning. Lord, today by faith, we declare that we are walking in the manifestation season. As your faithful remnant, we will house your very presence. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and he has delivered us from all of our troubles and fears. We are no longer victims, but we are victors in Christ. We will not be deceived by the lies of the enemy, but we will give health, healing, and wholeness to the hopeless and those in despair. We will live under your anointing and see the revealed purpose of Christ in each of our lives we declare your everlasting word on earth as it is in heaven. Amen and amen. We give you praise, oh God. I want to take a little bit, just a little bit of time here, and I want to say, uh, give, give honor words to you. And uh, Isaac Reed, you step up a little bit just here. Isaac is, this is his last Sunday with us for a while. He's going off to college. And... Uh, I just want to thank him, first of all, for being part of this team for the last few years here, or a couple of years, and uh, and I just want to, I just want you guys to also just note, this is, he brings a great energy to the team, and and we're going to miss him a lot, so we're going to go ahead and sing one, uh, a little bit more right before Pastor comes, but uh, anyway, thank you, Isaac.
You may be seated. So good to be here. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord with my, uh, I want to call you saints. My sound there. I'll hold it down there. So good to be in the house with you today. I want to read a scripture to you. It is Isaiah 40, verse 7 through 8. It says, All grass withers and the flower fades because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And that is truth. In December of 2021, we started... uh, we wrote a commitment to uh, read the Bible through this year. And uh, today, August the 14th, we are reading our last book of uh, the Old Testament, First Chronicles. Sister Sandy taught a wonderful lesson about David today out of First Chronicles chapter 28 and 29. And it was so beautiful about David and his preparation for the kingdom. But this has been such a, quite a journey for myself and I know for many of you. It has been sometimes a journey of endurance, you know, getting through those names that I don't even know how to say. But it has also been a journey of fear, of repentance in my heart. It has been a journey of praise to the Lord. I got stuck on a verse this week. It was I, uh, Psalm 65 and 1 that says, Praise await, is awaiting you, O Lord God, in Zion. And I believe that this house has been pray, full of praise today. We have lifted up our God in such a ma- uh, marvelous way. It is one thing that I've gathered from reading the Old Testament is that God is faithful. He is faithful to his covenant. And I believe he is faithful to our covenant with him is by his very own son's precious blood. He is faithful to us, church. And so um, we are going to be beginning on August the 24th, the New Testament. And if you did not sign up to read, and I'm not asking you to sign up this time. The light is in my eye and I can't see your faces. So I, I want to invite you to give you an opportunity to begin reading the New Testament through with us starting on the 24th of this month. And it was, it's going to be a great journey through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, walking with Jesus, hearing the words of Jesus, seeing how he relates to people, and asking the Holy Spirit, what does this mean to me? The Holy Spirit is the teacher, and he's the one that walks us along with us. And there's more of these booklets in the back if you want to start on that journey through the New Testament with us. You won't be sorry. And in September, we will have new booklets and there will be special dates in the new booklets that we are going to be doing some things in the community, not just in our own hearts and our family and in this body, but in this community to lift up the Word of God. And we know that Jesus is the Word of God from 1 John 1.1. And so if we lift up the Word of God, He will draw all men to Him. I want to see souls saved. That is the purpose in my heart Um, in May uh, Brian Matthews came he is a a friend to this house he is part of our body and he has a ministry called Love Abounds and it's in Zimbabwe uh, Zambia, Africa 
And when he was here, uh, it also has a Facebook page if you want to look it up. When he was here, he said that uh, he needed some Bibles for that community in that village that he's at. In that community, he has an orphanage. They have a church that runs about 70. They have 30 to 40 children besides the 70 adults. And I contacted him. I said, how many Bibles do you need? And he said, well, I need 30 more Bibles. So I wanted to give 29 of you an opportunity to buy a Bible for somebody that does not have a Bible. Um, and they're $9 a piece. And I've got the first $10 to give to that. So if you want to donate to that, uh, you can use the little cards behind you and make sure you mark that. And we will get that sent off to those that do not have a Bible. And I just want to say thank you. Keep on reading the Bible. The word of the Lord it endures forever. And I pray that you will all. Oh, well, I want to read it. I can't say it. Let the Lord, the word of the Lord Jesus Christ dwell in you all richly. I'm going to read Pastor's text. You can remain seated this morning for the reading of the word from Exodus chapter 15, verse 1. And then we're going to jump down to verse 20 and 21. Exodus 15, verse 1. And then we're going to jump down and read verse 20 and 21. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath thrown into the sea. Verse 20. And Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. And Miriam answered them, Sing ye to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. <clears throat> Lord, today we're thankful. We're thankful we have a pastor who seeks your heart and wants to hear from you and wants to pour out what you pour into him. And I pray you'd help him do that today with freedom and power. And I pray you'd prepare us for what you have for us in this place. And let's not just hear your word, but let us respond to the call of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Good to see everybody here this Sunday morning. I thank you for your prayers last Sunday. I wasn't able to be here due to a foot injury and uh, had some things going on there. Don't know exactly what took place, but we're much, much better. And we thank you for your prayers. I want to thank our associate pastor, uh, Pastor West. I call him R.W. Shambach. He's one of the greatest preachers around. I'd rather hear him than anybody. He'll feed your soul, won't he? Amen. Can you give him a hand for filling in last Sunday? <laughs> Praise the Lord. <clears throat> but we're here this morning, and we're going to try to get right into the word of the Lord. Today, I want us to look at this thing called singing your way to victory. When you look into this scripture, it's nothing uncommon for people to sing, uh, to break out in a song when certain victory takes place or when something of a supernatural origin happens. There are many, many examples in the Bible where people not only broke out in a song when a victory happened, but the event itself actually inspired or created the song. The song actually come out of the experience itself. 
They'd have an experience, and out of that experience, they begin to sing unto the Lord. History reveals that each new awakening that has ever happened around the world and every revival that's ever occurred, that new songs and music were birthed out of those experiences. I wish the songwriters of today would write with that kind of inspiration again because those songs had such meaning and depth and passion. They had relative truth in them because they lived out what they were singing. Nowadays, it seems that artists are just writing songs just to be writing songs, hoping to hit a number one on the charts for financial reasons. And without judging people's motives, it seems nowadays that there are songs that have no meaning, no depth, no inspiration, and certainly there are some that are, are unsound in theology, no doubt about it. But one example of a song breaking out due to the supernatural event was that of Mary at the visitation of the angel when she pronounces her pregnancy to her. The angel Gabriel came in the sixth month and, and began to declare unto her. And upon the declaration of the angel pronouncing her to be pregnant with the Son of God, she breaks out in this wonderful song. Matter of fact, the song is known as the Song of Mary. It's found in the book of Luke 1, verse 46, down to about 50, some, about 54 verses of Scripture. And the Bible says, My soul does magnify the Lord, and my spirit is rejoiced in God my Savior. This is what she's singing. For he has looked upon the humble estate of his servant. For behold, for out, from now on, all generations shall call me blessed. This song goes on for another seven verses. Don't have time to get into every one of them. But here she is. She's got a, an angel proclaiming to her that she's, going to, she's impregnated with the Son of God, and she breaks out in this song. And even though we do not sing that same identical song, the song of Mary, which they sung back then, which meant so much to them in that day and time, because that event, though, has inspired many songs. For the last 2,000 years, as people have received Jesus Christ, we still celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior in song. We know we have the Christmas songs that's so dear to many, many of us. And even though some of those old songs are fading out in time, yet there are new songs that are still being written out of that event to this very day. We also see the song of Hannah in Scripture, which is known the song of thanksgiving. We all know how that Hannah was married to a man by the name of Elkanai. And from, the problem was that Hannah was barren and could not bear him any children. To be barren in biblical times, as we all know, was the same in the eyes of the public and the people as being cursed. For a person to have a ch children, especially a male child, it was looked upon that you were, you were highly favored of God and you were looked upon as a blessed person. And the problem with Elkanah was he was also married to a woman by the name of Penina. Penina, however, had many children by him, and she vexed Hannah every single day. Every day she provoked her, mocked her, laughed at her, ridiculed her due to her barren soul. Every day she would get up, and that old Penina would look at her and mock her and show her and prance her children off in front of her, and here's little Hannah with a barren soul that could not have no children. Hannah was so bitter of soul and anguish of spirit that she went to the temple and she prayed earnestly and she made a vow unto the Lord. That vow is found in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 11. And she vowed and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou will indeed look upon the affliction of thy handmaiden and remember me and not forget thy handmaiden, but will give unto thy handmaiden a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall not a razor come upon his head. She makes this vow to the Lord. And then verse 12 through 14 reveals to us that she continually kept praying so earnestly, so passionately, 
intently and with such deep intensity that Eli, the high priest, saw her and thought she was actually drunk. As she began to wail and cry, Eli looked at her and thought, man, this woman is drunk in the house of the Lord. The kind of prayer she was praying is found and expressed in Romans 8 and 26. It's described there pretty perfectly. It says, likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself maketh intercessory for us with moanings and groanings that cannot be uttered. Have you ever seen that kind of prayer in the house of the Lord? Have you ever prayed that kind of prayer? I have. Out of nowhere, Hannah breaks forth in a song as we begin to see here in a minute how that she overcomes her barrenness. She was so desperate at this time though in her prayer and so deeply burdened that she travailed like a woman in birth pains. And she prayed with moanings and groanings that could not be uttered. Eli marks her lips and she responded and said, count not thy handmaiden for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken. In other words, she said, what I did was not out of drunkenness, but what I did was out of brokenness. Eli says to her, well, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. She no longer is sad. She no longer has a, 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 a broken countenance now, but she rises up the next morning. She worships, and she washes herself, and she returns and goes back home. She just accepts that which Eli has spoken over her to be true and she believed by faith that what that man of God said will happen. How many knows that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord? So here's Eli. He says, so you weren't drunk. It was out of your brokenness with moanings and groanings so earnestly and passionate a prayer that you prayed and because that you've been so passionate, God's gonna give you your request. So she goes home and the next thing we see in scripture is that Elkanah knew his wife Hannah and the Lord remembered her and she conceived and she bare forth him a son. Look at what happened next. Out of nowhere, Hannah just breaks out into a song. It's not a song that has been sung before. It's not one that they played around the temple. It's not one that's been heard in the land before. This song was inspired by her experience. And when she knew that she was with child, she just started singing. And she just started singing as the inspiration was there. This is part of the song. I won't sing it all. My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth speaks boldly against my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. Let's just stop right there. She just, in other words, is saying, Penina, from this day on forward, you're going to shut your mouth and the mocking's over. You ain't going to mock at me, no prince, all of your little kids in front of me, all you want. But when you do, I'm going to show you my prince charming. His name's going to be Samuel and he's going to be one of the mightiest prophets that God ever had. So you can mock and tease no longer because my God has answered my petition. And then she says there is no one holy like the Lord. Indeed there is no one besides you nor is there any rock like our God. For ten solid verses of scripture this script, this song continues and this song is what we call Hannah's song coming out of her being delivered from her barrenness. And when she received child, she singed, she rejoiced, she worshiped, she declared his goodness, she declared his power, she declared the might of God. Her song may not be sung anymore, but I guarantee you this, that song was sung as long as people ever knew Ohana. We also see the song of Deborah in Judges chapter five, the 
Bible is just full of songs. My message isn't on Deborah this morning, but when you look at an overview of her, we see during the time of Deborah, village life in Israel, as, as they knew it, was completely gone. It had ceased. As a matter of fact, the days of innocence was gone. Israel had chose new gods, and they were caught up in idolatry. Then there was war in the gates. When they were overcame, and we see that not a shield or a spear was seen among the 40,000 mighty men in Israel. Not only was life hard under Israel's oppressors, but they also confiscated all the weapons so that Israel could not even fight. Sound familiar what they're trying to do to America right now? They're trying to disarm America. Can I have an amen? The land was full of anarchy and confusion, and the land was infested with bandits everywhere. No public road was safe. People had to travel in numbers, and it was still very dangerous when they done that. There was no safe place. There was no kind of refuge anywhere. There were dark times and hard times, and the people lived in constant fear. But then Deborah arises on the scene, and through her leadership, we see that Deborah brought victory for Israel. Then as a victory was wrought, we see that Deborah breaks out in a song. The song became well-known in the Jewish traditions and was one of the favorite songs of deliverance and celebration that Israel sung. The song is revealed in Judges chapter 5 and it is known as the song of victory. This is just part of it. Praise ye the Lord for avenging of Israel when the people willingly offered themselves. Hear O ye kings, give ear O ye princes. I, even I, will sing unto the Lord. I will sing praise to the Lord God of Israel. Lord, when thou marched us out in the field of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens dropped and the clouds also dropped water. The song goes on for another solid 12 verses have out the goodness of God's deliverance. There's nothing like singing the songs of deliverance and feeling the excitement and the charge of an atmosphere. We felt part of that here this morning. There's nothing like a good old Pentecostal holdown, isn't there? I want to tell you, have you ever been in those services when you just couldn't help but break out in song? Because there was victory, there was deliverance, there was salvation, there was healing, there was miracles, there was blessings. I want to tell you, God's about to do it again right here in this service. I believe that with all of my heart. When God gives you the victory, we need to praise him. We need to honor him. We need to give him the glory. Can, can I have somebody give God the glory here this morning? Hallelujah. Yes. Yes. But when I think about the victory songs and the songs of deliverance that was sung throughout the scripture, my mind goes to those that have not yet experienced the victory. How about those that are still waiting for the odds to change? the sickness to leave, the hardships to be lifted and the burden to be lightened and the chains to be broken off. We have people that sit in our pews every week, week after week after week, and they keep coming by faith. And yet sometimes the odds still hasn't changed. Sometimes the sickness hasn't totally leaved. Sometimes the hardships has not been lifted. What happens when weeping has not given away to joy as of yet? What happens when the ashes hasn't been turned into beauty as yet? What happens when you don't have any victory to sing about? Have you ever been there before? I know I have. When everyone around you seems to get or have the victory but you, have you ever been there? Is there anybody in the house like that? Have you seen people standing right beside you get miraculously blessed, but it seemed like it just passed you by? I tell you, some of the things I don't even understand as a, a pastor, as a minister, there's times that we have prayer lines and I'll be praying and the anointing will just pick somebody out and I'll walk up and man, have a word. And the Lord, you touch 
touch them and bam, they're blessed. And there's people so hungry and you'll see it on their faces like, give, give me something, I want something, I'm hurting. And, and all of a sudden, God will show you someone way down the line. And though you love everybody and you're praying, you, nothing really happens till you get down there to where God pointed somebody out. And then you wonder, well, what about all these people in between? This person was blessed. That person was blessed. But how about all these in between? Why wasn't they blessed in the same kind of manner and in the same kind of way? I don't understand that. That's God's sovereignty. I don't know. I can't give you a reason behind that. Have you ever seen the Peninas dropping children right now? Oh, fertile myrtles everywhere. They're just dropping children, just dropping children. And you're sitting there with a barren soul. And you're saying, my goodness, every time that woman, you look at her, you see that she's pregnant and I can't get pregnant. Come on, somebody. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Have you ever seen some people come to the house of God and every Sunday they're blessed? Every time you turn around, there's a manifestation of a blessing upon their life and you're sitting there starving for a blessing. You're begging for a blessing and nothing seems to happen. Have you ever felt left out, abandoned, skipped, bypassed, ignored, unloved? Even worse, have you ever been ridiculed or mocked or laughed at, accused and provoked by your adversary, the devil, accusing you all the time, comparing you to everybody else of what they have and what you don't have, what they got, what you don't got, what they're going, what they're doing and what you're not doing. Come on, somebody. We've all been there. I've been there many, many times, even as a pastor. Have you ever wondered where God was at and why it seems that he does it for some but not others? Amen. I know that even the children of Israel experience such times as this. Listen to their complaint in Psalms 137, starting with verse one. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We aimed our harps up in the willow trees, no longer playing music in the midst thereof. For there they that carried us away captive required of us a song. And they that wasted us required of us mercy. Sing us the songs of Zion. But they answered, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? There's some that can just come in here and man, you know, it's very difficult sometimes to pray with my wife. I've said this before, not in a bad way, but that woman can get in the presence of God. Man, she can get down and before I know it, she's wailing and crying. I'm sitting there. Lawn needs mowed. Car needs flat fixed. Come on, somebody. That woman fall on her knees and get rid of all that jump. Boom, boom. And I tell you, sometimes it's intimidating. And sometimes we see that in the house of the Lord. And sometimes it's very difficult to wonder why those kinds of things happen to us. When I thought of the people who have not yet obtained the victory, something caught my eye in our text concerning Miriam's song. Oh, Lord, help us right here. Tradi Woo. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Hallelujah, somebody better praise him. I'm about to here. Hallelujah. Traditionally, this thing was known as the Song of Moses, they say, but many scholars, a lot of them argue and say, no, it's the Song of Miriam. In order for us to understand the true meaning, we gotta do some dissecting of this text. Notice verse 20 and 21, something very peculiar jumped out at me, never seen it before in 35 years of study or 40 years of study, I should say. Isn't it odd how you can read the word of God and you think, man, I got this thing, I got a pretty good understanding. All of a sudden, I don't, well, where did that come from? And that's what happened to me when I was studying this verse of scripture. 
It says, and Marion, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tremble in her hand, and all the women went out after her with trembles and with dances. And Miriam answered them, Sing ye to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously, and the horse and his rider has he thrown into the sea. Here we see that after crossing the Red Sea, that Miriam took a tremble in her hand, and her and all of the women danced before the Lord. I mean, they had them one of the greatest barn dances you ever seen in your life. And the only difference was there's no barn, amen? And here we see that Marion led worship service to the Lord because it said, Marion sang unto them, and then she encouraged all of Israel to join in and sing unto the Lord because he has triumphed. Can I have an amen? The horse and its rider has been thrown, hurled in the sea. She said, hey, worship the Lord. Don't you see? Egypt's army has been destroyed. Pharaoh's army's destroyed. It's gone. Amen. However, we also know Moses sung that very same song. Verse two, it says, then sang Moses unto the children of Israel the song unto the Lord and spake saying, I will sing unto the Lord, the Lord for he hath triumphed gloriously the horse and his rider has he thrown into the sea. One of the things I like about this is that not only did Moses sing, all of Israel sung with him. So is this a song of Moses or is it a song of Miriam? We gotta answer that question before it is over. Some believe that Moses wrote the first part of the song and Miriam was inspired to write the second part of the song and how important that that is. Have you ever wondered why Miriam is called a prophetess in verse 20? That's something I've never seen before. It starts out by saying, then Miriam, the prophetess. Now, I wanna ask you a question. If the word of God called her a prophetess, then she was a prophetess, Correct then when did she ever prophesy? I can't find it. I, start, I thought, am I gonna have to read the whole book of Exodus just for this sermon? I could not find where she had prophesied. But yet I got into some interesting history, some Jewish writings of ancients way back in the Exodus period. The rabbinic tradition and history tells us that there are writings about this, that Miriam foresaw that her mother Jochebed would give birth to the one who would deliver the children of Israel. They said she prophesied that Jochebed, her mother, would birth a son and that son would redeem Israel when she was seven years old. Notice also that verse 20 refers to her as Aaron's sister. I thought that was kind of odd. Why would it say Aaron's sister? Why didn't it say Moses' sister? It, the problem was the Rabbanian teachings tells us that Miriam was a prophetess because she declared or made a declaration many years preceding the event of the deliverance and the prophecy took place when Aaron was her only brother. That's why that Moses was not listed. So this tells us that it is very possible that Miriam prophesied of Moses being the deliverer of Israel before he was ever even born. Miriam is the first woman ever called a prophetess within Scripture. That's the first woman right there. Therefore, Miriam's singing and instrumental response was a spontaneous reaction to the fulfillment of her prophecy. It was a hallelujah moment, a praise God moment. The trembles and the dances were an external manifestation of her internal emotional state of joy. It wasn't something worked up or pumped up or primed up. It was an extension of her inner self. At that very moment, she got caught up in the fulfilling of the promise and got excited and she praised God for it. Hallelujah. 
Hasn't God ever come through for you and you couldn't take it anymore? You just started, woo! I get tickled of people judging people when they get, but what in the world's going on with that man? Well, you don't know where that man's been and you don't know what just happened to that man. Can I have an amen? You can't judge somebody till you walk into their shoes. But I guarantee you that we're gonna see it more often around here where all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, somebody, wow, and up and there they go. What, what's that all about? They just got the victory. They knew they got the victory. They got caught up in the manifestation of joy because God promised something and in the middle of nowhere at any given time, God can fulfill his promise. Can you say amen? I expect something to happen just any day now for some of you. She couldn't help but sing. She couldn't help but praise him because that which she had already declared many years before just came to pass. One commentator asked a question that was kind of interesting to me. He said, where in the world did the music instruments come from in the first place? Well, we know they came from the spools of Egypt, but why did they just wait till now to bring them out on the other side of the Red Sea? They say that Miriam and the women intentionally held them for the moment of the manifestation of victory that they knew they were to come. By them gathering the music instruments was a sign of their belief that the day of deliverance would come and they would again have total victory and total freedom to where they could pull their harps out of the willow trees and play a grim in freedom. And when they gathered them things, they were going across that wilderness and Pharaoh behind them and all that pressure. And they said, one of these days, we're going to get to play this instrument. One of these days, we're going to get that guitar out. One of these days, we're going to get that harp out. One of these days, I'm going to get that tambourine out. <laughs> and they took them by faith, saying that we know that that which God started to do with Moses, God's going to finish it. Can I have an amen? Let me just stop right here. Do you believe what God has started with you? He'll finish it. Can I have an amen? He which begun a good work in you, he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. One thing is for sure, whether it's a song of Moses or whether it's a song of Miriam, everyone that sung that full song began to prophesy. Because right in the middle of that song, the dynamics change, and it's no longer about what God has done, but about, it's gonna be about what he's going to do. The first part of the song talks about the horseman and the rider drowning in the sea. It talks about how that the Lord is our strength and our song and he, and he alone has become our salvation. It talks about how he's our God and we are to exalt him and prepare for him in a habitation. It talks about how the Lord is a man of war and how he has made Pharaoh's chariots and hosts drown in the sea. It talks about the power of God's right hand and how that he's dashed in pieces all of his enemies. It talks about the blast of his nostrils, how he split the Red Sea and congealed the waters. All of that is about what God done in the past. It's about what God done for them in that victory. And that one verse of scripture really caught my eyes. It says, and with the blast of his nostrils, he split the Red Sea and he congealed the waters. We always talk about the children of Israel walking across on dry ground. Everybody says, well, why, how could it be dry? Because, you know, the, 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 the water part in that had to be muddy on the earth. The, the word congealed means that he froze it. That there, he, there was a wall of ice here, a wall of ice here, and the earth that was frozen, it was congealed. And it was done by the blast of his nostrils. And I got to thinking how powerful our God is. You know, I can understand if God blows on something, watch this. Pretty powerful, isn't it? But that ain't what he done. We always think God went up to the Red Sea and went, 
And what the Bible says, the Bible says with the blast of his nostrils, he went. God help us if he sneezes. Can I have an amen? Just with the blast of his nostril, just walked up Ah, somebody ought to get excited right here. That's the kind of power our God has. He don't have to, he don't have to lift a finger. He don't have to make a sigh. He don't have, all he's got to do is, all he's got to do is get rid of a booger. Can I have an amen? Just with the blast of his nostrils, he split the Red Sea. Verse 11 says, Lord, who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praise, doing wonders? But then there are 13 verses of that song that deal with what God done, but then the shift changes in verse 14. And this is where they say that Miriam begins to start writing. They say that Moses wrote the first 13 verses and then Miriam begins to jump in and write the next verses. Why? Because the next verses of scripture are prophetic in nature and she's the prophetess. Woo! Then this is what she writes. The people shall hear and be afraid. Sorrow shall take hold of the inhabitants of Palestine. Then the dukes of Edom shall be amazed and the mighty men of Moab trembling shall they take hold upon them. All the inhabitants of Canaan shall melt away. Fear and dread shall fall upon them. By the greatness of thy arm, they shall be still as a stone till thy people pass over, oh yes, Lord, until thy people pass over which thou hast purchased. And we could go on. Not only was the song singing about their deliverance from Egypt, but it was also declaring their future promise of Canaan being fulfilled. The song prophesies the passing over Jordan unto the promised land called Canaan. It even says the whole land is going to hear about the event at the Red Sea and they're going to fear and they're going to tremble. It says that Canaan shall melt away and fear and dread shall fall upon them until the people pass over, until the people pass over. Here's Mary. Miriam praising God for not only a prophecy that has come to pass, which was Moses leading them out of Egypt, but now she's also prophesying and praising God for her future promise of the children of Israel going into the promise. She's not only promising about her salvation, she's prophesying about life and enjoying life and abundant life in God. Can I have an amen? Miriam learned if God was true to the first prophecy of Moses being the redeemer of Israel, then he will also be true to the future prophecies of the children of Israel going into the land of milk and honey. So Miriam is not only praising God for what he done in advance, she's also praising him for what he's going to do. Can I have an amen? Now listen to Joshua chapter five, verse one. This is the fulfillment of the prophecy in the song of Miriam. Though Moses is dead, the leader known as the Redeemer, he's out of the equation, yet God still used Joshua to fulfill the promise. And let me tell you, just because it don't come in your timing don't mean it's not coming. Can I have an amen? Listen to, listen to the f- fulfillment of what I just read to you. Now when all the Amorite kings of the Jordan <laughs> and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Red Sea and the Jordan before the Israelites until they crossed over, their hearts melted in fear 
and they no longer had the courage or the spirit to face the Israelites. The very thing she prophesied come to pass in that song. This happened just like the song said it would. Now, I can only imagine uh, they're singing the new song in Canaan. And even though that new song is no longer a new song, and it's not even sung anymore in this century, yet just like the song of Mary concerning Christmas and the birth of Christ, out of our like experience of us being delivered from Egypt, warliness, and going into our promised land, and that is the abundant life in Jesus, there's been hundreds of songs written concerning that event. How many's been saved by grace through faith and had a great experience? And you've heard songs about that experience. I think the Israelites sung something like this. I was once in Egypt's bondage, but deliverance came to me, yes to me. And I'm living now in Canaan, now in Canaan, for the sun has made me free. I am dwelling now in Canaan, now in Canaan. Jesus' blood avails for me, yes, for me. I am free from condemnation, condemnation. For the sun has made me free. Am I doing all right? You want verse two? I'll give you verse two. I feel like singing. I was once a slave to Satan, a slave to Satan, and he worked his will in me, yes, in me, but I'm bound by sin no longer, for the Son has set me free. I am dwelling now in Canaan, now in Canaan. Jesus' blood avails for me, yes, for me, and I'm free from condemnation, condemnation, for the Son has made me free. If you're free in Jesus, why don't you stand up and act like and give him the highest praise? Oh, hallelujah. Yes. You see, those of you that haven't obtained the victory yet, I got good news for every single one of you. I want you to know that God has not passed you by. He's not ignored you, and he hasn't gave up on you. I'm here to tell someone that God still loves them. His prophetic word of you is still going to come to pass. You're not going under. You're going over. You're not going down. You're rising up. You're not counted out. You're counted for. You're not through. You're just now starting in this journey. Just like Miriam's song had a future promise, so did Mary's. Matter of fact, almost every song of deliverance in the Bible doesn't just have words describing what God done, but intertwined in those songs, God also gives a prophetic promise of future of what's going to be for the people. That's all through the scripture. Did you know one of the number one prophetic books in the Bible is the Psalms? In those Psalms are prophetic words but intertwined, God begins to prophesy in the songs. Why? Because he's not just a God of yesterday, but he's a God of today. He's a God of tomorrow. He's a God forever. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He don't only want you to believe that he was God in the past, but he's a God in the present, and he's a God in the future. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the first, the last. He's the captain of our salvation, and he's the finisher of it. He's the finisher of our faith. When Mary got her promise, she not only said, my soul does magnify the Lord and my spirit is rejoiced in God my Savior for he has regarded the lowest state of the handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things. Holy is his name. Notice everything up to this point in the song is about her and what God has done for her. But then she also 
begins to shift gears and prophesy of the future and the attention's no longer on her, but it's on what God's going to do to other people. His mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. Here he begins to speak to the future. He had put down the mighty from the seats and exalted them of low degree. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich has he sent away empty. He has showed strength with his arm and he scattered the proud in the imaginations of, and the song goes on and on and on. All this would be done through the ministry of Jesus Christ who she was impregnated with. That was future promises. Let me say to the suffering, to those that is waiting, let me say to those that seem to be forgotten, let me say to the discouraged, let me say to the hurted, the wounded, and the bruised, let me say to those that think that they've been overlooked or bypassed, let me say to the dry, to the thirsty, and to the barren, instead of waiting for your victory to come, sing as though you have the victory because today you stand on good promises. He that has saved you is able to keep you. He is a God that cannot and will not lie, and he will not fail you. And if he's power enough to save you, he's power enough to sustain you. And if his prophecy of saving you come to pass, get ready the rest of your life and promises will come to pass as well. Can I have an amen? Here's what God told me to tell you that are waiting, that are looking, that are wondering, that are questioning. Isaiah 54 and 1. Huh. Sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear. Oh, hallelujah. Just give me a moment. This hits my life so many times. Sing, O barren. Sing, O barren. Thou that didst not bear, you ain't brought nothing forth. You have no fruit. Break forth into singing. Cry aloud, thou that didst not travail with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. Now, some of you should be shouting right now, but you don't understand that scripture. You may ask, well, what in the world is that scripture actually saying? Some say, oh, well, that speaks of Israel coming out of their captivity and bondage and they'll be stronger than ever. But that's not the case. That ain't saying that at all. This speaks of Israel, the nation formed of God, who became the wife of God in the Old Testament. How many know that literally Isaiah classifies Israel as the wife of God? It said it in Scripture. In one day, God formed a nation. He called them his own. He married them, became husband to them. It was Israel. They were his chosen people. And through them, all the nations of the world would be blessed. And they were the nation in which the Son of God would be born, God's son would be birthed through a little damsel Jewish girl by the name of Mary. Israel travailed, brought forth, gave birth to the very son of God. But I hear God say, O single barren, thou that didst not bear, break forth into singing and cry aloud, thou that denies travail with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. This speaks of the move of God in the end time. It's prophesying and it's speaking of a Gentile bride for the son of God called the church, the body of Christ. 
He is saying, you old barren Gentiles, those of you that were rejected and despised and left out and considered unworthy, you who were barren, you who were snubbed by the religious, mocked and ridiculed, despised and unnoticed and provoked, he says, I tell you, sing, 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 because more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. In other words, you think what I accomplished through Israel has been great. You haven't seen anything yet of what I'm going to accomplish through you. You think the early church was powerful? You ain't seen nothing yet. Israel sing their songs of victory while it happened, but you can sing in advance because we're in the second verse in the scripture. We're singing prophetically. Can I have an amen? We're in the prophetic season. We have seen and witnessed how that God was faithful to Israel. But now we can praise him because of Israel's prophecy came true. Therefore, we can praise him of why he has de- what he's declared over us, the Gentiles. And he has promised that the thing that God's doing in the Gentiles is going to be greater than that which he done with Israel. Come on, are you getting it? This is your prophecy. The Old Testament is like singing the first verse of the song. It's singing about, oh, what God has done. You're praising him for his mighty acts, his excellent greatness. But the New Testament is like singing the second verse, which is of a prophetic nature. It's singing not only of what God has done, thank God for it, but what he's doing and what he's going to do. You're singing of the provision of the cross. You're singing your way into victory instead of waiting for victory to come. You're not singing about what has been, but what will be. You're declaring what will be by your song. Come on, somebody. You're saying, hey, Penina, mock all you want, but the days are coming. Come on, devil, provoker, adversary, you can snur, you can laugh, you can do whatever you want, but you might as well get under my feet because I got a song in my heart. Woo! I got a song of redemption. I got a song of promise. I got a song of future. Come on, somebody. You remember Paul and Silas at their midnight hour thrust in the inner prison with stocks and chains on their hands and their feet? And at the midnight hour, they begin to sing. Not because of victory. The victory hadn't come as of yet. They were still in their stocks. They were still in their chains, still behind bars, still in prison. But yet they sung the songs of Zion. Theirs was a praise of faith. Amen? I don't know what they sung. But I think they sung something like this. Once like a bird in prison I dwelt. No freedom from my sorrow I felt. But Jesus came and listened to me. And glory to God, he set me free. He set me free, yes, he set me free. And he broke the bonds of prison for me. I'm glory bound my Jesus to see for glory to God he set me free. Now I am climbing higher each day. Darkness of night has drifted away. My feet are planted on higher ground and glory to God I'm homeward bound. He set me free, yes he set me free and he broke the bonds of prison for me. I'm glory bound my Jesus to see for glory to God he set me free. 
goodbye to sin and things that confound. Not of this world shall turn me around. Daily I'm working, I'm praying too, but glory to God I'm going through. He set me free, yes, he set me free, and he broke the bonds of prison for me. I'm glory bound my Jesus to see, for glory to God he set me free. Now if you think that singing's good, you ought to hear me in the shower. Amen. All I can say to this congregation this morning is, oh, sing, Baron, sing. Oh, sing, Baron, sing. More is coming from the desolate than the married wife. More is coming from the end time church than the former church. The latter house is gonna be greater than the former house. More is coming at the end than the beginning. You say, Pastor, we've heard about the revival coming. I'm telling you, sing about it. It's coming. It's prophesied. I said it's prophesied. It's coming. It's here. Oh, desolate. Well, you say, I just don't feel it. <laughs> you don't have to feel it. All you got to do is declare it. It's coming. It's coming. I don't understand why that maybe Steve sitting right there on that few pew may be blessed and his wife starving for it and she don't get it, but he does. But I tell you one thing, there'll come a day it'll reverse. She'll get it and he won't because he's not gonna leave you out. He's not gonna leave anybody out. You know, I, I, I just feel like breaking out in a song. I love them old songs. You like them old songs? You remember that old song? I never shall forget the day when all the burdens of my soul were rolled away. It made me happy, glad, and free. I'll sing and shout it for he's everything to me. I, I love those kinds of things. I love that. Let, just a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our faintest crying. He will answer by and by. Now when you feel a little prayer will turn, then you'll know a little fire is burning. You will find a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Oh, I'm telling the palace of praise. Quit walling around in self-pity and feel like that no one knows what you're going through and you feel skipped over and you feel abandoned, you feel unworthy and get out of your condemnation and your guilt and your fear and your anxiety and all the cares of this old life. Stand up and begin to sing, old Baron, sing. Sing, old Baron, sing. For more coming from the desolate, the less desolate children than that of the married wife. Would you stand with me this morning? I want everybody, we had such a wonderful service. I thought, well, I don't even need to preach. They've done done it this morning. Because, man, you were just coming up and worshiping. Uh, we're gonna have communion just right after the service here just for a few minutes. But until we do, I want John to lead us in a song and whatever song he picks will be good enough. And I want you to come up and sing it with him with your hands up 
and let's declare the goodness of God and let's watch God do his mighty works among us. Can you do that right now? This may be the day you're healed. You may, this may be the day that you won't be passed by. Would you just lift your hands and start coming in an attitude of worship? Sing, O barren, sing. Sing, O barren, sing. Get in that second verse of the song. Don't stay. Quit singing about what God's always done, what God's always done. Thank God for what he's done, but my goodness, he's got more to do. God's not finished with us yet. We're not counted out yet. Can I have an <laughs> Woo! Our future's at stake. Sing, O palace of praise, sing. promised than what Israel had in the beginning. If you think Pentecost was a great event, but yet there's a prophetic word saying what happened on the day of Pentecost is going to be poured out in greater measures in our time. I want you to shout unto the Lord a song of victory in your own way and say, Lord, we declare that which has been spoken over us to be true, and we accept it and we embrace it by faith in Jesus' name. And our expression don't have the tambourine in our hand, but we got our voices. And our expression is that we declare it with our mouth. We declare it with our mouth. We're in the greatest in time move of God that the world has ever seen. It is here upon us right now. So giving praise for it, giving glory for it, accept it, receive it in Jesus. Let me hear you. shower songs are about to start to erupt. I just make them up as I go. 
Hallelujah. a singer. I just had fun today. I won't be doing that all the time because I don't have no anointing to sing. I know that. I'm not a singer. I'm just a preacher. But I know this. I can just about picture old Moses going up to the children of Israel. He sung the song first. I think he sung the first chapter of Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was once was lost, but now I'm found blind but now I see him that kind of a thing and he's singing about what God done in salvation and all of a sudden when he gets done with the first verse of the song here comes a Miriam boy she's beating the tambourine and Moses saying what in the world is this woman doing she said get out of the way brother I got another verse to that song you sung about what God done that's great but when we ship, when we've been there 10,000 years and she starts singing about the future Come on, somebody. Woo! Moses, your song's about what has been. My song's about what shall be. Your song's about what God done. Mine's about what God's going to do. When we've been there for 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, and she begins to prophesy of the future of what's about to come to pass. And she done it with joy, and she done it with a tambourine and dancing and excitement. Oh, hallelujah. I'm so excited that I'm saved, but I'm just as equally excited about what God's got in plan for me and my future. He said, I know my thoughts towards you, says God. It's one of good, not bad, not evil. Thoughts of good, thoughts of greatness. Hallelujah. 
So one more time in closing and then stay where you're at because we're going to take communion. I just want you to give him the highest praise one more time. Would you do that? Praise the Lord. Um, you'll see some buckets right here. If you're standing up here, I'm just going to ask you if you just pick one of those up. If you're at your seats, an usher will come find you and give you a communion cup. If you'll just take a cup and begin to pass it around, if you would. You don't have to bring those buckets back to the front. You can just set them in the, the front row when you're done or when you get yours. It's a declaration of your loyalty and faithfulness to Jesus Christ. We are proclaiming Jesus Christ as our Lord when we take communion. And not only are we proclaiming that, but we are proclaiming the second coming of Jesus Christ. And today as you take communion, I do pray that you part, partfully think about what Jesus did for you and the weight of sin and what that meant what it was like for him to bear the sins of the world on his shoulders and what he went through and endured so we might be forgiven and set free and made sons and daughters of God. We think about that, but even more than the cost of the sin, we think about the victory that Jesus Christ had over sin and what that means for us. It is a solemn moment, but it's a solemn victory. It's a victory cry that not only did Jesus Christ die, but he rose again. Just like Genesis 3 said, he said, it said that the snake would bite the heel of Jesus Christ, but Jesus would crush the head of the snake, and that's exactly what he did. So today is not just a solemn, it's a solemn celebration of Christ Jesus. We celebrate today. Before we partake of communion, I'm going to ask you, I believe strongly in doing this every time I take communion, even in a corporate setting. If you would, would you just bow your head? Close your eyes and I want you to think if there's anything today that you need to repent of, anything you need to take to the throne of God and ask forgiveness for, if there's a brother or sister in the body of Christ who you have awed against, who you need to forgive. I pray you do that right now before we take communion. I'll give you just a moment. the body, the literal body, the life of Jesus Christ, the perfect spotless life, 
that he lived on earth and the life that he willingly laid down for us. It also represents us, the body of Christ, the church. You, as a son and daughter of God, are a part of the body of Christ. Now I'm gonna ask you, would lift it and break it. And as you break it, this symbolizes that Jesus willingly distributed his body for us and he willingly laid down his life for us. Luke 22 says, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Partake of the bread. as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us drink of the blood of Christ together. Now would you give God praise and glorify his name. We lift up your name, oh God. We're thankful for your blood, oh God. And we celebrate victory today that we are not whip pups, but we are instead victorious in Jesus' name. And we lift up your name, oh God, and we give you praise. We love you all. I pray you have a great week. Be blessed. Be safe. Thank you.